welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Today, we're going to go to another level. Today, we're going to go to another level. I know what I'm telling you. Today, you're not going to leave from here the same as you came in. I want to read this scripture before I get into what I'm going to get into, but we've been studying identity. We've been talking about identity in the Rio campus on Wednesday nights, Bible studies. We've been talking about identity. Pastor's been talking about identity, Pastor Brian. I want to continue in the same subject of identity. And one of the things with identity is we just celebrated July 4th, where we celebrated independence, freedom. How many of you believe in freedom? It's good to be free in Christ. How many of you enjoy your freedom in Christ? There is no condemnation in Christ. And so today, as I get into the Word, I want to read the Scripture. Let's go to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I want you to listen today with spiritual ears. I'm going to get into some stuff that's going to be a little hard. It's going to be a little, a veces hace falta un poquito pao pao, a little, you know, encouragement. Amen. How many of you understand pao pao? Do you understand those tongues? Amen. And so sometimes we need a little encouragement from the Lord to get to the next level. Go with me to Hebrews 12, 1, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us or ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say looking into Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, come on, somebody say, Jesus is faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand throne of God. Amen? At the right hand throne of God. You know, before we move to the Rio, I think we've, we've been in the Rio about a month right now, and so before we move to the Rio... Uh, we had a lot of stuff. We went through a lot of stuff, but we also had a lot of stuff. And so I was going through some stuff, and uh, there's some people here that helped us and don't know what we're talking about. But, man, we had a lot of junk. And as I was going through this stuff and sorting and separating and, and discarding and what do I keep, what do I leave, you name it. You've been there? Anybody's moved before? And then suddenly you discovered you had so many things that you didn't even know you had. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then you don't want to get rid of stuff because it's, it's the scrapbook of kindergarten of your children and your children are already 40 years old and you still want to keep it. We've been hauling those things for years. But suddenly we were moving from a a three-bedroom house that had a living room, a little breakfast area, a kitchen, a dining room, a TV room, uh, a carport, a big yard, two sheds. I mean, we had all this stuff accumulated in this big house. Then, then we were moving to a mobile home that the three bedrooms of the mobile home were the size of my master bedroom. And we go, what are we going to do? Well, we need to get rid of stuff. Well, let's find out how much stuff we had. Well, as I was going through the stuff, number one, I found out I had over 30 electrical cords that I didn't know I had. 
How many of you have ever had an electrical cord and then you don't know where you left and you go and buy another one? And so I had 30 electrical cords and then not only that, but that we found out we had over 500 hangers because we had over 500 pieces of cord or, or of, of, of clothes. I think we gave away about 30 or 40 bags of clothes. And it was just my wife and my son living at home because the two older ones weren't there. I don't know if we, we did a picture. I think I sent a picture over of our hangers. But if, if, if not, you can, you can text me. Did you see it there? And then not only that, there's a little video where we had tons of junk. I mean, I could have opened up a flea market. I learned this from a sister. I, had, I could have become an entrepreneur or a pulguero. You, 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 I don't know if that, you see that? Look at that. There's a dear couple here that helped us move all of that stuff and throw it. And we gave away over 30, 40 bags of stuff. And we found out that the more we dug up, the more we found out we had. I had like, like 30 uh, 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 drill bits of all kinds. And I had just a mess of things. I don't know how much stuff I left behind. But I said, if we're going to go forward... We need to leave some stuff behind because it was holding us back. And I know sometimes you've carried stuff in your life so long that you go, I don't know. I don't know if I can get rid of this. It's that my grandma gave me those shoes. They don't even fit you. And they smell old. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So finally, we're like, we're going to get rid of stuff because that way we had to eliminate all the clutter and simplify our lives. So today I want to talk to you about that. That as I was moving all this stuff, I found out that there's a lot of stuff also in my life that I needed to get rid of. And there's a lot of stuff in your life that you need to get rid of. See, if you're going to move forward... There's a lot of junk and clutter that you need to go through your emotional closets, through your mental closets, to find out what stuff you have a lot of in there. And so today, if we're going to go forward as a church, if we're going to go forward not only as Axis Church, but also as the body of Christ in general, we need to understand that we need to get rid of things that entangle us, get rid of the weight that holds us back. Because if we don't, then there's no revival going to happen. See, the, the more stuff you have in you, and, and, and I might sound a little bit different than from the real because each place, each body is different and needs to hear a different message. But the more stuff we have in us, the less we can fill ourselves with what's God. Can I repeat that again? The more, entre más tienes adentro de ti, the more you have inside of you, the less you're going to have of God. Because you need to make room for God inside of you. Thank you, those two people. I'm excited. So I'm going to tell you this this morning or this afternoon. I'm sorry. I'm still in morning mode. Whatever. Well, it's morning to some people that are just waking up. It even smells like barbacoa. But whatever can get your attention and can influence you is whatever is going to keep your attention from focusing on Jesus Christ. Whatever distracts you from setting your eyes on Jesus is what's going to keep you from going forward. 
And so this afternoon, I want to talk to you about all those things, all those clutters that are in our life. As a matter of fact, you know, many Christians are carrying a lot uh, of extra baggage in them, and they need to lose it. And I'm going to give you a list of some of that stuff that's within us. Satan wants to boggle you down with all these things so that you don't go forward. How many of you want to go forward in life? Now, I'm going to warn you. There's going to be some strong stuff that I'm going to talk about this morning. So if you get offended, I'm glad. Because this morning I come to offend you. Oh, I'm entitled. I don't like to be offended. Well, in the kingdom of God, you're going to get offended because that's what Jesus would do. He would offend people. But if it offends you, it's because it means you need to get rid of it. And I'm not only preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself as well. So here's some baggage we all need to eradicate from our lives. Get your pins out. Number one, we need to get rid of obstacles. What's in front of you? What is, what is in between you and Jesus? What are some of the obstacles in your life? This is anything that keeps you from effectively living a Christian life. What is the obstacle in front of you? And I know obstacles will come in many different forms, but I'm going to talk of some of the obstacles that come in your life. How many of you want to know what obstacles are in our life? What's going to keep us? The number one thing I want to talk about, because this is what obstacles do. Obstacles are in the way, but they also make you stumble. They also make you fall. So here's obstacle number one. A poor self-image. Did you hear that? How you look at yourself. How many of you look at yourself in the mirror and always find a fault in you? I'm too fat. You know, somebody said this morning over there in the rear said, you know what? You know, praise God, we're going to go to the river and, and da, da, da. You know, well, I believe God gave us floaters for a reason. If you're getting fat, it's because you have floaters. But a poor self-image, negative comments from when you were little can cause something in your life. When my wife was little, her mom used to tell her, Tiene las patas bien flacas. You have your legs too skinny. And for a long time, she would wear long dresses or pants because she didn't want to look at her legs. And she's got beautiful legs. Well, that's what I say. You guys can't say that. Men can't say that because that's my, my wife's legs. But you get it? So for a long time, whatever you were told is the image you're going to have. But the Word of God tells me I was made in the image and likeness of God. Come on, somebody say image and likeness of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. On Wednesday nights over there in the real, we've been doing a teaching on the image of God. The Bible says in Genesis that we were made in His likeness and images. Image, I have a question for you. Is God human? Is God human? Can you touch God like this? Come on. Yes, no. Let me teach you like on Wednesdays. Over there we say, this is yes. This is no. This is bobblehead. Okay? So come on, say with me. God is not tangible like this. He's not human like that. I can't touch him like this. We say Jesus was human. We'll talk about that later. But right now, God is not human. Yes or no? What is God? Come on, say God is a spirit. Can you see a spirit? No. Can you feel a spirit? Yes, but you can't see it. So God is not physically 
tangible or visible. Amen? So when we were made in the image and likeness of God in the beginning, we looked like him as a spirit. We didn't look like him here. The problem is we've been trying to look like God here. And in our soul realm, which is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Did you get that? And that's what we want to look like God. But you know what? You can't. You already look like God. You're just trying too hard in your image. And that's why you feel you're not good enough in your image. But I'm going to tell you this. You already look like God in your spirit. I look just like my dad in heaven in my spirit. Exactly alike. I'm perfect like him in my spirit. I don't need to try to look like him in the flesh because I already look like him in the spirit. Oh, come on. So let me take you to chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. I'll keep going on with this in a minute. In chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, Adam is formed. Come on, say, Adam is formed from what? From the dust. Come on, say, from the ground. When did Adam fall? Did he fall when he was created in spirit or did he fall when he was formed out of the ground? Come on. Out of the ground. So what happens? After he was formed from the ground, that's when he ate what? The fruit of the tree. What was, where was the tree planted? In the ground. So that which he came from is what attracted him and made him fall. Because when you're in spirit and you look like God, come on, and you're strong in him, and I'm going to take you that in a minute, then you won't rely on this physical image or the standard of the world to try to look good and be good. Once you know and understand that God has accepted you the way you are and that you look just like him in the spirit, then you don't have to impress anybody because you already impressed him. Come on. How many of you remember when Jesus went and got baptized? The Bible says the heavens opened. A voice from heaven came down and said, This is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. He hadn't done a miracle yet. He hadn't resurrected the dead. He hadn't fed the 5,000. He hadn't done nothing yet. God was pleased with him just because he was his child. You don't have to do anything to please God. Well, that means I don't have to serve in church. That's a different thing. You serve because you already know that he's pleased with you. You serve out of gratitude. You don't have to perform like a performance monkey to please God. Because God doesn't need your performance to please him. God is already pleased with you. Get that right now today. The image you have of yourself has to be in the spirit where you look like God. Because here in the flesh, I'm never going to be good enough. Well, then I'm not going to try it, but you're not getting it. It's in the spirit. And you got to push in the flesh, but in the spirit. Once you have that, then guess what happens? You change your image. So negative comments can cause you to have a what? A negative image. How many of you ever got told things when you were little? Eres un burro. You're dumb. You're good for nothing. And guess what? Over in life, you've carried stuff like that. But it's time you eradicate what? A negative image. A negative image will always take you to have a defeatist attitude, an attitude of defeat. I'm not good enough. I don't look good enough, then I must not be good enough. And you always walk around defeated. I remember when I was growing up at church, there was a brother, and I would always ask him, Hermano, como esta, brother? How are you? And he would say, Aquí aguantando la vara. Just coming along, brother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just trying to hang on. How many of you have said that? Don't tell me. 
I'm just hanging on, brother. Well, if you hang too long, you're going to fall because you're going to lose your grip. You need to keep climbing. Come on. When you have a defeated mentality, then you start walking and you get a mentality of rejection. You start having an image of you, feelings of rejection. Nobody wants me. I'm not good enough. I'm rejected. Nobody wants me. I'm not good enough. And because you feel rejected, you feel that everybody rejects you everywhere you go. You go to your workplace, they reject you. You come to the church, they reject you. You go to your family, they reject you. And you always feel that you're rejected. You know why? Because you have baggage in you from the past that you're still carrying around about how you think you look and how you think you are. When in reality, God has already changed all that. I wish I had some more amens on that one. Because here's the deal. Once you have feelings of rejection, of being devalued by others, that everybody's always putting you down, that leaves pain in you and unworthiness in you, and then you end up with a fear of failure and failing everybody else around you. And then you don't do things with strength, with power. You don't do things with confidence because you think you're going to fail. Well, why do it? I'm going to fail anyway. There they are. Starting a business. I don't even know why they try. The economy is bad. Always a failure mentality. Come on, say, I can do. Come on, say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me explain that. I usually, I usually save this to the end, but I'm going to share it right now. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Look what the Word of God says. Is somebody getting this this morning? Look what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in, does it say, therefore, if you receive Jesus, therefore, you receive Jesus in your life. Does it say that? No. What does it say? Therefore, if you, if anyone, come on, say, I'm in anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. How do you become a new creation? Being in Christ. Ooh. Well, I thought if I accepted him, I was a new creation. That's not what the word says. If you accept him in your life, you start the process. But you will not change until you're in him. Because when you accept him in you, then it's your body and you control him. But when you're in him, and it's his way. Oh. When he's in you, then you treat Jesus the way you want to. It's your life. It's your way. But when you're in him, then you're inside of him. Then he controls you. He governs you. He rules you. And the way he is, you also are. It says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. So let me show you. Let me point you a picture here. How many of you know? So you are in Christ. Come on, say, I am in Christ. The word also says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Come on, say, I am in Christ. So if you're in Christ, that means that when Jesus got crucified, who got crucified? Come on, say, I got crucified. I make you repeat because I want you to get this. We're going to get to a place in a minute. So that means Jesus went to the cross. What happened with Jesus after he left the cross? Where did he go? He went down to hell, yes or no? That means you went down to hell with him. So if in Jesus you went to hell, that means that if you remain in Jesus, you'll never go to hell again. And you'll never go through hell again. 
But because of your mindset and your mentality and the way you look at yourself, you're always thinking, well, we're going through hell. No, you're not. You can't be in hell. Jesus already took you out of hell. Look, listen to me. So if you went to the cross with Jesus, you went down to hell with Jesus. Okay, that means you went underground with Jesus. Where was Adam made from? The ground. That means that the whole purpose of going underground was to leave the old fallen Adam in there so Adam would remain in earth. He would stay there. And then the next thing that happened is he went to the grave. And what happened? He resurrected on the third day as what? Spirit. He left Adam in the ground. You are no longer governed by Adam because through Christ you were resurrected as a new creation. Come on. Adam fell when he was flesh. Adam fell when he was dust. But if you walk in the Spirit, if you're in Christ, you will never fall again. And after he resurrected, where did he go? The Bible says he went and seated where? With the Father in heavenly. What is it? Didn't it say there in Hebrews? He seated where? Next to the Father. And he intercedes for us. But the Bible also says that we are also seated in heavenly places together with who? Whoa. Come on. So it's the Father, the Son, and it used to be the Holy Spirit, but now it's us. Because now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So now we're part of the Trinity. Are you understanding this? Now you have the power of being sitting down with the Trinity and creating stuff. Until you understand who you are in Christ, you'll change your defeatist mentality, your poor me mentality. Pobrecito yo. And that's why we walk as defeated Christians all the time. Because we don't know where we sit. And then I read posts about people, you better watch it, the devil's out to get you. What? My big bro defeated the devil on the cross, and I was there on the cross with him when he defeated him. So that means I defeated him. The devil's got nothing on me. He can't touch me. He can't come near me. He can't attack me. He has no power over me. The only power he has is whatever I gave him, and I'm not going to give him anything if I am submitted under Jesus Christ. So stop saying the devil is attacking you. Number one, the devil is not omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. So for the devil to take time to come and attack you is because that's muy chulo or something. You must be nice. Can I go on? When you have a defeatist mentality, you have this feeling of rejection. Nobody wants me. Then you feel like a failure. Then you end up with a negative attitude. These are obstacles, things that are in the way of you getting to where you need to get. You end up with a negative attitude. Everything's negative. Everything's negative. You, everything, you see negative in everything. Oh, gas is $7 a gallon. What are we going to do? I have a question for you. Was God your provider at $1.67 a gallon? I've said this many times and I'll keep saying it. Was he your provider at $1.67? Is he still your provider? Is he going to be your provider at $7 a gallon? You know what this means? It means he has to give me more money because I have to pay more gas. It doesn't mean I have to worry about the gas. I need to thank him because now I'm going to be more blessed to pay more gas. 
My wife says, you get, you get, you get real upset with, uh, because it drives me nuts when Christians walk around all defeated, when they don't understand who they are in Christ. But pastor, I've been getting attacked. I've been going through trials and tribulations. You have to go through trials and tribulations. How else are you going to get stronger in the Lord? How else are you going to know that you're more than conqueror? How else are you going to know that you're the head and not the tail? How else are you going to know that you have a more powerful God in your life? How else if you don't go through trials and tribulations? It's part of it. The difference is that the people who don't have Christ don't go through them. They stay there. So after you end up with a negative attitude, nobody wants me. Nobody cares for me. A pessimist, negative impact. You, you become the same at work. Talking negative about everything, negative about your boss, negative about your coworkers, negative about the atmosphere. And you know what you create? A negative atmosphere. When you as a child of God, as a Christian, are supposed to change the atmosphere at work. Not by being religious and hallelujah, glory to God and praying all over the place and shaking and baking and all that stuff. And thinking that you're better than thou and more religious. That's not what God is talking about. It's talking about attitude. It's talking about that where it says there that you did this and this and that. And you put extra little stuff right there on that paper that you didn't do. You're cheating your boss. You're not changing the atmosphere. Silence of the lambs. Se quedaron callados. I must have hit a... Come on. When you end up with a negative attitude, then you enter into a suspicious attitude. You know, many people think, oh, I have spirit of discernment, brother. I, I have a prophetic anointing. No, you have a suspicious anointing. You don't have discernment, you have suspicion. Somebody's over there in the corner talking. Two ladies talking. They must be talking about me. Because you think you're the center of attention. You think everybody's out to get you. Están hablando de mí. They're talking about me. Look, over there. They're talking about dresses or something. Are you understanding? You end up with suspicion. Always in suspicion. I wonder what's going on next. I wonder what's going to happen next. I wonder what it's going to cost. I wonder what, and you question everything. See, you can't move forward till you get rid of that trash already. You need to trust God for what's coming next. In Him, everything is gone. Let me tell you something. The Word of God says that the anointing destroys the yoke. Come on, somebody say the anointing. Come on, destroys the yoke. There's a lot of yokes around people right now. But you know what? I have somebody around me that has the anointing. My brother and my sister has the anointing. And if I come in unity with them, instead of being negative and separating and creating division, if I come together as a body of Christ, I'm going to create an anointing that's going to break the yoke upon everybody. So those are obstacles. What is the second thing that messes us up? Letter B, sin. Somebody say sin. I'm not talking about sins. I'm talking about one sin. I'm not talking about the works of the flesh. We'll talk about those in a minute. I'm talking about one sin. It was the sin of Adam. See, Hebrews 12, when you look at it, it's talking about faith, yes or no? Come on, yes or no? Set in on your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of what? The faith. So here's Jesus. Here's you. Jesus is over there. And this is what chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews is talking about. 11 talked about a great cloud of witnesses. Yes or no? 
It talked about Moses. It talked about Samson. It talked about Solomon. It talked about Elijah. It talked about all the people of faith. But I'm going to tell you something. Even with all that great faith, nobody could achieve what Jesus Christ achieved. Did you get that? They parted the Red Sea. They trusted God for manna. They resurrected some people. They did all this great performances and stuff on earth. But nobody had the ability to walk in faith, to go to a cross, lay their life for everybody, die on that cross, and change our lives forever. Because even though they had great faith, they could not change the sin of Adam. Somebody say, Jesus was my life changer. When he went to the cross... What did he do? He died. And what did he destroy? Everything that looked like Adam. Let's go back to the beginning. When Adam ate and Eve ate, what did they eat out of? The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. When they ate out of that fruit, who were their two first children? Cain and Abel, good and evil. Let's go to Calvary. Jesus in the middle. He represents Adam. How many thieves were next to him? Two. What were they known as? Good thief, bad thief, good and evil. When Jesus went to the cross, what did he do? Where were the crosses planted to? Come on, say the ground. Where did Adam come from? The ground. Where did his two fruit come from? The ground he ate from. So what Jesus destroyed on the cross is everything that looked like Adam that made you fall. So that all that remain at the end, he said, Father, in your hands I command my spirit. In other words, in the end, in him and through him, we were restored back to spirit, back to looking like God and having the authority God gave him at the very beginning. Did you get that? Come on, somebody say, Jesus destroyed the disobedience of Adam to bring us to the front. So when it says, the sin which so easily entangles us, this does not mean in the general sense of the word sins or works of the flesh. It was talking about Adam, the sin from the beginning. Come on, say, through Jesus, I will never be Adam again. Praise God for those three people that, that, man. And that's why we are where we're at as a church, because we don't talk. We may talk negative. We may say negative things. We will talk negative stuff. But when it comes to the positive, the devil shut your mouth down so you don't talk it. Come on. You need to open your mouth. Say, I, come on, say, I will not go back to being Adam. I am like Jesus. I am a son. There you go. Because once the devil hears that, he's going to test your identity in him. Remember after Jesus, the father said, this is my beloved son, and he went to the desert. Why do you think he went to the desert? 40 days, 40 nights. He went to go fulfill what the people of Israel couldn't do in 40 years. To then come back and get tested in the same three areas that Moses got tested in. But not only that, he got tested in his identity. And the devil said, if you are the son of God, isn't that what God had just said to Jesus? Because once you open your mouth and once the enemy knows, once his demons know who you are, you're going to get tested in your identity. If you're the son of God, tell this rock to turn into bread, Jesus said. I don't need to prove myself to you. 
I already know who I am. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell it to you. Man shall not live by bread alone. Come on. How many of you say, Lord, I want peace in my heart? Come on. How many of you say, I want peace in my life? I want peace with my family. Guess what you're going to test, get tested in? Lord, I feel like I want love. I want to learn. I want to know what love is. Go, Ronnie. 80s. Y ahí vas en el carro. I want you to show me, Lord. Hallelujah. Show me love. And then people start hating you. Because you will never learn love until you understand hate. Until you confront hate, you'll never understand love. Let me reverse that. When hate comes at you, how do you confront hate? Come on, say with love. And this is what's going to change who I am. This is going to change my identity. Because when Jesus came to her, it says, if they, come on, if they slap you, put the other cheek. If they make you carry something, carry it two miles. In other words, the only way you're going to change the status quo, the only way you're going to change this things that heavy us, that worry us, that uh, is when you start walking like Jesus. So all believers have certain sins, certain acts in the flesh that weigh you down. And here we go. And Pastor Brian over there was going. So you better, or I'm going to tell him. The number one thing that weighs us down is unforgiveness. I forgive, but I don't forget. Hebrews 9 says, God remembers their sin and their iniquity no more. Therefore, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. That means whatever you did in the past doesn't exist anymore. But sometimes you think you have more power than God to unforgive people. Silence of the lambs. Ouch. The Bible says, he who does not forgive God will not forgive them. Simple. If you're going to get to the next level in your life, the very first thing you got to learn to do is forgive. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Well, they didn't crucify you. They didn't pull your beard. They didn't whip you with whips that had bones at the end that were pulling the flesh out of Jesus. They didn't crucify you totally nude. So the, the people would look at you and there would be shame on the cross. They didn't put a crown on you and mock you and spit at you, did they? So if Jesus can forgive you for doing that to him, who are you not to forgive somebody for what they've done to you? And number one, who are you not even to forgive yourself for what you've done to you? Because you sabotaged yourself from a long time ago and you carry that. And because you carry that, then you want to put it on other people. When Jesus said, you need to forgive, you need to forget, you need to let it go. You need to love them. You need to embrace them and say, you know what? I love you. I forgive you. I let you go. I put you in the hands of God. I'm going to be at peace. I told you it was going to be hard. 
But if we're going to go to the next level, come on, say, get rid of it. Oh, I ran out of time. God bless you. Have a good afternoon. Was it? You want me to continue? Number two, the second thing, when you have unforgiveness, it's going to lead you to a critical spirit. You criticize everything. Why do they have to dress like that? Why do they have to look like that? Why do they have to sing those songs? Why do they have to, and you criticize everything. Why do they have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Why do we have to do this event? Why do we have to do that event? Da, 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 da. And you criticize everything. You have a critical spirit. Do you know in the Old Testament, thank God we don't live in the Old Testament. Do you know in the Old Testament, when you had a critical spirit, you know what would happen to you? You'd get leprosy. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your grace. But still, a critical spirit is going to get you in trouble. You're going to open the door to evil. The devil can't touch you. The devil can't destroy you unless you open the door. If, we, if all we do is criticize, then we're going to hurt others and we're going to hurt ourselves. And we're not going to progress. And once you have a critical spirit, then you'll also end up with a jealous spirit. Come on, say a jealous spirit. You're jealous of everybody. Well, I've been here longer than she has. Why is she singing? I've been here all my life. I have hair. He's bald and he gets to lead. Why? I have a covering. Because you're seeing him in the natural, but in the spirit, he looks like Fabio. You're always criticizing everybody. Why are all the pastors fat? Why do they have a belly? Why can't they have a six-pack? I don't care for a six-pack. I don't have a fun pack. I'm complete. Come on, say, I, I, all you men love that, right? <laughs> pastors that have a fun pack. I tell you, it smelled like barbacoa when I walked in here this morning. So you end up with a jealous spirit. If we always desire what others have, we're never going to be happy with ourselves. Why do they have a new car? You're always jealous. Come on. We are of the same body. You should be happy. You should rejoice when other, somebody else gets blessed, when somebody else gets promoted, when somebody else is doing something. You should get excited for them. And you know, say, you know what? Maybe it's not my time, but I'm going to support them because at some point it's going to be my turn. And I got to be ready in the spirit when it's my turn. Maybe I need to take more time to end this. Maybe you weren't ready for the position. Because as soon as you sing wrong, I'm just using singers as an example. Because they think they're holier than thou anyways. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But as soon as he's singing, he said, he's up there. Why does he get up there? But as soon as he sings in a gallo, oh, and it messes up, I could have done it better. But you're not up there. Because it's not about how good you sing. It's about what you carry in your spirit. And that's how God promotes you. God doesn't promote you based on your ability. God promotes you based on your heart and your mindset. Let me finish this up. Jealousy will also lead you to greed. Come on, somebody say greed. You just want to have, have, have. That's all. 
A desire for more causes us to hurt others to get what we want. You're greedy. You already have a position, but you don't want others to sing. Yo quiero ser la única que canta. I'm picking on the singers today. Sorry. You know, or at work. You always want to be the center of attention. Greed, 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 greed. You're never happy with other success because it's all about you. Come on, say, not in the kingdom of God. Come on, we need to get rid of the obstacles. Come on, say, we need to get rid of the obstacles. We need to get rid of the weight. Come on. And then it says, the other thing, greed leads to pride. Oh, I'm not prideful. You're already prideful right there. Some of you are so humbly, uh, humbly proud. Pride. Come on, somebody say, God hates pride. Pride makes you think that you're always better than somebody and that you have no problems. Pride makes you blind. Come on, somebody say with me, pride makes me blind. I can't see. I can't see my mistakes because I'm too good. Let me tell you something. You know where a lot of the spirit of pride resides at? Churches. Well, our church is better than that church over there on that hill. Or the one downtown. We have better people. You keep talking like that, and this is going to shut down soon. Because I've seen it. Pride is the worst weapon against the church. You're not better than the other churches. You're just another group of people meeting in a building that has an access name to it, but you're still the body of Christ. That's still your family up in that hill. That's still your family downtown. That's still your family in that other denomination. They're still your family. They're still the body of Christ. And you respect them and you honor them and you love them. They're not better than you. You're not better than them. They're just meeting in another building. Sorry. Esto me duele más a mí que a ti. How many of you remember that? This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Las mamás. That's me. He's talking about me. So one day I took the chancla away from my mom and I hit her right in the chamorro. A ver. Let's see if it hurts you more than me. And then it hurt me a lot more than her. <laughs> you remember. Come on, you remember. You remember. Because then pride will lead you to deceit, to lying. You start lying about what you can do and who you are and everything to make yourself look good and look better than others. The Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies. He was a deceiver from the beginning. So if you want to be a liar, if you want to be a deceiver, then I'm, I got news for you. Your devil, the devil is your father. That's what the word said, yes or no? Jesus told, Jesus told the Pharisees. Why did he tell them? Your devil is the father. Because they were deceiving the people. They were lying to the people. The only spirit that deceives and lies to the people is a religious, pharisaical spirit. Where they walk around like untouchables, but they're liars. 
I got a little nugget for you. How many of you remember the scripture where Jesus called them white, uh, uh, or white tombs, right? Can't say the word. Whitewashed tombs, remember? Why do you think Jesus called them that? How many of you remember that the priests in the Old Testament used to go into the Holy of Holies? The glory would descend on them and they had to wear, wear a veil in front of them so that the glory wouldn't hit somebody and the people would die. How many of you remember that? If you don't remember that, it's in the Old Testament. Go study it. So the priest would come out in the glory of God and he had to wear a veil. Well, you know what the priests used to do? The, the Pharisees, they used to paint their face white like a kabuki and then they would put a veil over so the people would think they had just been in the presence. Do you know how many people I know like that? Oh, I've been in the presence, brother. Hallelujah. I have the Holy Spirit, yet they live in fear. They live in anger. They live in unforgiveness. Don't tell me you're full of the Holy Spirit and you still carry all that stuff in you. Because if you're full of the Holy Spirit, the anointing will break off that yoke of all those things in your life. Don't come out me all, ooh, I, I'm in the anointing. And then as soon as you turn around, you go and do something that's not the anointing. That's why Pastor, Pastor Brian says, I'm glad you're the prophet and you get, to, you get to, do, to do that. Big brother gets to do that so that father doesn't get hated on. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I love you too. But you get it, right? Because that has happened to me. I've been under the anointing and then a few hours later I got into it with my wife. And I found out that I needed the anointing to defeat that in me. And we're still not perfect at it, but we're a lot better than we were several years ago. 28 years later this year, we're still together. We're still fighting for it. We're still walking in it. We're still perfecting it. Why? Because the anointing keeps breaking the yoke in us. Let me finish this. Lying then leads to lust. What is lust? Lust is desiring that which does not belong to you. Lust is not, lust has always been put and focused on as a sexual word, but it's not only about that. Lust is desiring what doesn't belong to you. Stop lusting after somebody's position. Stop lusting after somebody's job. Stop lusting. I'm almost finished because I know you. It's not super popular message. We have a conference coming up. You'll have popular messages then. When you're full of lust, when you want somebody else's stuff, it's because you don't think you're good enough. You, think, you don't think you're good enough to have it because you have no faith. Because you can't trust God for your things. If you trust God in due time, it'll come to you. And that's why you end up making dumb decisions. That's why you get $10,000 back at income tax and you go and give $9,000 down on a $100,000 fixed up suburban with a payment of $1,500 or $1,800 a month. Y luego te la están quitando tres meses después. They're taking it away from you three months later. All because you want it to look like your cousins or you want it to look like your neighbor or you want it because that way people will accept me if I drive that type of car. In the kingdom of God, once you know you're accepted, who cares what I drive? I'm already accepted. Who cares what I wear? I'm already accepted. Who cares? 
Who cares if I don't, if, if, it's, if it's an LV from La Pulga or it's an LV from, it doesn't matter. I'm still accepted. I can tell it's fake anyways because it's tacosida al revés. I'm just kidding. Anyway, hey, I watch TikTok too. TikTok is de Dios. I always pray for TikTok before I see it in Jesus' name. Come on, unbelief. When you don't get what you want, then it leads you to anger. And you're always mad at somebody. You're always mad at the world. Because you feel God didn't look at you. Please stand up with me. When you get angry, you get bitter. And when you get bitter, then you walk away from God. You walk away from people. You walk away from your marriage. You walk away from your children. You walk away from everything. God didn't ever call us to be bitter. When we're bitter, we end up slandering people. We end up talking about people. The last one that I have there is the love of money. There's a reason I put that there. I love my wife with all my heart. If another man comes up to me and says, hey, can I have your wife to be my wife? No. Get away. Thank you. Because it's flattering, but you know what? Get away. That's my wife. I love her. That's why she's my wife. So my love for her will not allow me to give her away. To be married to somebody else because she's my what? My wife. But now let me change that to the love of money. The reason you don't release your money is because you're in love with it. And the word of God says the love of money is the root of all evil. And because you can't trust God with your finances, it entangles you. Just recently, a famous preacher started talking about tithe, and, 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 and we knew what the message was about, but he ended up causing more confusion. But when you're angry, you end up being a hoarder. And when you're a hoarder, you don't want to let go of anything. You don't want to let go of your finances. You don't want to let go of your sins. You don't want to let go of your pain, your unforgiveness. You don't want to let go of your resentment. You don't want to let go of your bitterness. You don't want to let go of everything that has happened to you in life. And you carry it around like the way we did before we moved. But let me tell you something. If my wife and I wanted to start something greater and better here in this church and over there in Del Rio, here at Access Church, whether it was Del Rio here, whether it's, uh, 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 I don't know, wherever, San Antonio, wherever Access is going to grow into, Bracketville, quemado, no quemado, no. Ya está quemado, forget it. There's already a church there. Why go start another church? We're going to empty the building. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Wherever God wants Access Church to go, doesn't matter. I had to leave what I had to leave. And I had to 
downsize so I could get to where I'm getting. I think a lot of us need to downsize today. There's a lot of baggage we still carry. So I want you to close your eyes and we're closing off with this. And just think back. Somebody taught us something recently. I wish I could have done this in the real. I guess I can do it on Wednesday. But somebody taught us something recently. How many of you have ever heard of eternal life, eternity? In eternity, there's no time and space. Just listen to this very carefully. In eternity, there's no time and space. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us what? Eternal life. That's not a, that's not a measure of time. That's, that's a fullness of life. That's eternity. I want you to go into eternity right now. Close your eyes. And I want you to go back. And I want you to go to you, baby. To you as a kid. Or go back to that, that time when you, when you got hurt. Go to the last time a parent hurt you. A church hurt you. A pastor hurt you. A sibling hurt you. An ex-boyfriend hurt you. An ex-girlfriend hurt you. An ex-husband, an ex-wife. Go back to that moment. And I want you to go back and I want you to stand in front of that person and say, I forgive you right now and I release you. Go back right now. Come on. We're going to get rid of the baggage. Go back. Go back to that last boss that fired you unjustifiably. Go back to that person that abused you when you were a little kid. Go back to that, that child. Go back to yourself. And forgive yourself. Come on, I want every eye closed. Everybody, just concentrate. Go back. And say, I forgive you. I forgive you, JC. I forgive you, Juan Carlos. I forgive you. Go back and say, I forgive you, Mom. I forgive you, Dad. I forgive you, ex-boyfriend, for taking that from me which didn't belong to you. I forgive you. I let you go. I put it in God's hands. Go into eternity. Go back. Go get rid of all that shame. Go get rid of everything you did. Forgive yourself for doing all that partying, for doing all those drugs, for being an alcoholic, for whatever you did. I don't care what you did in the past. Go back and forgive yourself and say, I leave it here in the past and I move forward on to a new creation. Come on, take it to the cross. Take it down to hell. Take it to the grave. Leave it there. And get ready to come out a whole new creation today. Come on, right now. How many of you are there, are there yet? Go back to your children. If you had a child and they were rebellious, find out where they messed up. Go back to when they were a little baby right now and go say, mijo, mija, I'm sorry. Come on, go in your mind. I'm sorry for abandoning you. I'm sorry for not being there for you. You are a child of God. You are amazing. You are loved by me. I love you with all my heart. Go back. Go back to your parents. If you missed out on your parents and they went away already, they already died or there, go to your parents and say, forgive me, forgive me for not being the best daughter, the best son. I let go of all that right now. Forgive me. And just watch what God is about to do with you and with Access Church today. We're about to walk into the greatest revival ever because we're going to walk into it a whole brand new creation. Come on, say I. Come on, say it. I am a new creation in Christ. I lay aside everything 
that has held me back and I move forward today. Come on, say it with me. I am the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not below. I am faith. I am health. I am love. I am joy. Declare it over you right now and watch what God is about to do in your life. How many of you believe that this afternoon with me? Come on, how many of you believe that this afternoon with me? How many of you know we're about to walk into a next level now in our lives? Now you rejoice with whoever gets promoted. Now you rejoice with whoever's doing something. Now you get excited and happy when somebody, God is doing something for somebody. And you say, I'll wait patiently here till you think it's my time, Lord. And then I'll rejoice and do it with all my heart. we got to change our mindset. I'm going to turn it over to Madden a little bit, but I'm going to tell you this. My son, Carlos, he got hurt in his sophomore year in football, and they tore his ACL and his meniscus. Tore his knee apart. The sports medicine surgeon told us, this is one of the worst cases, injuries that I've seen on a knee. I don't think your son will play in less than a year. And I remember my son looked at the doctor and said, I'm going to play in six months. I don't care what you say. Not because I'm disrespecting you, but because I know who I am in Christ. And you know what his friend said? Nope, 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 nope. And there was a moment when he started hearing them. He says, you know what, Dad? The coach is not going to let me play. Six months later, he was on the field. He says, he's not going to let me play. And I said, why are you saying that? Well, because he's going to think I'm hurt. I said, oh, then what happened to that voice I heard back? And he said, you know what? It's true. And he kept running, pacing the sideline. And finally, that middle linebacker got hit in the gut, lost his air. They pulled him out. Can't do. Get in there. This was his sophomore year or his junior year. When they had told him, you're not going to play again for a year, maybe to your senior year. And they put him in there, middle linebacker. And he never, ever left the game or the field again until he graduated. And he became all district two years in a row, all West Texas, all state. And this year, he's going to go play Division I football. Because he changed his mindset. And he let go of the one was going to entangle him. You're a new creation. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.